This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. You're listening to Qalam Institute's podcast. Visit us on the web at qalaminstitute.org and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash qalaminstitute. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Okay inshallah Continuing with our topic on the etiquettes of seeking knowledge We talked about the We completed yesterday and talked a little bit more about The proper intention of seeking knowledge Or proper mindset or attitude in approaching ilm and knowledge. And we talked about the seven things that are recommended by Ali radiallahu anhu. That, uh, excuse me, six things. That knowledge cannot be achieved, knowledge cannot be sought, knowledge cannot be uh, gained, um, except through by means of these six crucial, critical elements and qualities that a person has to develop. Six things a person has to keep in mind. What I wanted to talk about real quickly is to complete the advice of Ali radiallahu anhu, he says, There's one last component. So after mentioning the six things that you have to keep in mind, which we talked about, he says there's one last thing that he mentioned separately. It's part of human nature. It's part of our strength and our weakness as a human being that we are social creatures, we're social beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instilled within us the need for companionship at different levels. And one of the most basic forms of that and a form of that type of companionship or human interaction that is universal, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of demographic, that is just friends. The people that you keep company with, the people that you hang out with, the people that you will sit and study with. All right? And how many of you have been to college? Okay, most of you. So you understand this dynamic. You know, everybody in the college library has seen that there's lots of different study groups. But some are actually studying and some are more social circles than they are study circles or study groups. So that's a perfect example of how things work out, how things play out. Yes, you were in the library. And yes, you were in a study session. right? But what you accomplished there varies based on the people that you were sitting with. And so he, Ali radiallahu anhu advises the student of knowledge to be very careful, to be very cautious, and to be selective about the type of person that you will keep company with. I'll give you one very, I wouldn't call it extreme, but I will tell you one very strict approach. Again, I've talked to you about sacrifice. The more you invest, the more sacrifice you make uh, in order to achieve your goal, to pursue your dreams, to pursue your goals... The more diligent you have to be, the more willing you have to be to hear what's necessary and to do what's necessary. I had told you before, we were, uh, you know, I was very young and there, I was amongst a group of, you know, students who were very young and we had left our homes and we had gone halfway across the world to study our in. It wasn't a joke. And so at that point in time, our teachers, our teachers, their recommendation to us was, your best friend while you're studying here will be your book, will be your kitab will be this Qur'an, will be that book of hadith, will be that notebook that you're putting your notes in. That will be your best friend. You might need to, of course, we're human beings, so not to be impractical. You will hang out with somebody, you'll go have lunch with somebody, you'll go, you know, um, you'll play ball with somebody sometimes. That's a different thing. 
But when it comes down to it, nobody, you, you will not spend time with anyone more than you will with your own books. And that's a very strict approach. But again, they were simply giving us that advice based on, you know, what we had invested. And so similarly here, the, the primary advice that I'll give and based off the advice of Ali radiallahu anhu is that nothing comes before your studies. Nothing comes before your studies. And that's not a lack of loyalty on your part. That's not a lack of being a good homie on your part. None of that. That's all nonsense. That's garbage talk. That's talk that lazy. That's talk that unproductive people use to guilt other people who are more disciplined and productive. They use that type of talk to guilt them into not taking care of their own responsibilities. You know, and I'll equate that. I'll draw a parallel from something that exists, unfortunately, in our culture today. And I'm not going to quote it because it's very offensive language. It's inappropriate. But typically these days, whenever there's a group of young men who are friends, who have camaraderie, and when one of them gets married, then when he obviously now has to put his priorities straight and he's spending time with his wife or he's spending time at home with his family, then he's always guilted, into, guilted about that by his friends. His friends make him guilty about that. So you got to put your friends first. And so that, that's a perfect example. What, th- there's no truth to that. There's no reality to that. That's garbage. That's nonsense. But what's going on here? People who themselves are maybe... And sometimes those same friends that are guilting that buddy of theirs, some, some of them have families of their own. That's the most pathetic part of it. They have families of their own. But what's happening? They themselves are irres- irresponsible and they're guilting their friend who is behaving responsibly. For being a good person. So you have to understand that. When you are here, you are here to study. You are here to accomplish your goals. And that needs to be, that must be put first. But nevertheless, as human beings, you know, I have friends. There are people I hang out with from my days of studying. I had a couple of very good friends that are my friends still today. And so it's obvious, you're a human being, so you will be keeping company with someone, and especially when you study, a very important part of studying, and I'll be talking more about that with you tomorrow, inshallah, is kind of how to approach ilm and how to approach studying overall. Some maybe tips, if you want to call them study tips, is that you will have to study with other people, meaning you'll have to study in a group. And because you feed off of each other's strengths, and you can supplement each other's weaknesses. So... What does Ali radiallahu anhu say? He says, وَأَمَّا اِخْتِيَرُ الشَّرِيكِ فَيَنْبَغِي أَنْ يَخْتَارُ الْمَجْدِ That, okay, as far as it goes, seeking out a, a companion, a partner in your pursuit of ilm, then you should choose someone, al-majd. You should choose based on piety. You should choose based on piety. And so that's very, very important. You know, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu said, somebody who can't be good to Allah, never expect that person to be good to you. He's got nothing to offer you. He can't be good to Allah. So first of all, piety. Secondly, walwara. Alright? And then, that person's care and caution in regards to how they live their lives. That person is very cautious and careful. This goes back to that issue of the Prophet telling us to be careful about the gray area within the deen. You know, so this person always, you know, errs on the side of caution. This person always errs on the side of caution in regards to their deen. And then he says something very interesting. He says, And then choosing out a friend, a companion, a steady partner, who has a tabi'il mustaqim. Somebody who is very stable for lack of a better word, somebody who is emotionally stable. 
Somebody who's emotionally stable. See, sometimes, and this advice is not meant to, it's not meant to make you insensitive to people and their issues. But when somebody has severe emotional problems, they need a counselor. They don't need you. All right? And you need to understand that. Because we get into a hero complex. Right? We, get, we develop a hero complex. I'm going to save everyone. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to help this guy. I'm going to help that guy. And I'm going to help him. And I'm going to help them. You need to first learn to help yourself. All right? So choose somebody who's emotionally stable. And somebody who is thoughtful. Somebody who understands. Somebody who applies themselves. Somebody who, can, who, who has the ability to understand. And it's sensible. You can talk to them. You can dialogue with them. You can compare notes with them. You can disagree with them without it turning into a drama, without it turning into a fight. All right? This is in. This is study. It's going to require that back and forth. And then he says, وَيَفِرُّ مِنَ الْكَسْلَانِ And a student of knowledge should be running away from, from who? الْكَسْلَانِ Someone who's lazy. A student of knowledge should run from lazy people. All right? وَالْمُعَطَّلِ and somebody who puts things off, eh, we'll get to it later. Eh, don't worry about it. Ah, exams on Sunday, or Friday, or whenever it is. Right? Thursday night, we'll take care of it. Somebody who just puts things off. No, no, no. You don't put things off. You get them done right away. Well, And somebody who is overindulgent. Somebody who is overindulgent. Because see, there's balance in regards to everything. I mean... I think there was just just Haris was there yesterday, but we had I, I had a dars yesterday, I had a lesson yesterday after Salat al Maghrib in the Irving Masjid, and after Salat al Isha, I played basketball. It's not sinful, it's not bad, nothing wrong with it, you know. This evening, I'll be taking my family out for dinner. It's not bad, it's not nothing wrong with it, but the issue is overindulgence. And as a student of knowledge, it's very important. Yes, you will need to take a break from your studies. Because if you don't, your brain will literally melt out of your ears. I've been there. Alright? I didn't sleep one time for like 36 hours. I didn't even know where I was. Right? So, it, it, you need to take a break. You'll need to sleep. You'll need to eat. You'll need to go and get some physical exercise. You'll need to hang out with somebody. You'll need to have a phone conversation. You'll need to share a laugh with someone. But the issue is overindulgence. And we... Today, in our culture, and I can talk about this culture because this is the only culture I know, this is where I'm from. All right, young American culture, we wrote the book on overindulgence. We wrote the book on overindulgence. Is sports in and of itself bad or evil? No, it's not. But when Sports Center runs constantly on loop five times in a row and you watch it five times in a row, overindulgence. You know, having a laugh with some friends. Not a problem. But when I'll sit there and I'll watch comedy for an hour, for two hours, for three hours straight, overindulgence. You know, I'll even argue as far, because it's here on, in the building, but even playing some video games. That might be the way somebody releases, somebody, the way somebody kind of cuts loose, takes a break from the study. Nothing wrong with it. But when you play all night long, overindulgence. So Ali radiallahu anhu says a student of knowledge should run from overindulgence. And then he says, well, mufsid. Somebody who's a troublemaker. Run away from troublemakers. People who like drama. People who like to create situations where there is no situation. Alright? 
And that's a very, very common predicament. You know, I'll give you a little bit of the inside track, a little bit of dirty laundry, now that you're part of the club, I'll share with you. All right, students of knowledge are the biggest drama queens in the universe. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's being isolated from the rest of society. I don't know whether it's being in a classroom all the time or studying all the time. I don't know what it is. But students of knowledge can be the biggest, the, the most high maintenance people in the world. So hypersensitive about everything. Oh, he looked at me funny. Or he knows I like to sit there. Or he didn't hold the door open for me. Or he went to go eat lunch with him today. It's, I don't understand, but nevertheless, that's something you have to learn to stay away from. And what fatan? And this is an interesting quality. Fatan is to create, like make things difficult for other people. That's very interesting. Doesn't necessarily mean you make things difficult for yourself, you just make things difficult for other people. And this is a very interesting, I'll give you part of where this applies. And this was something I personally had to learn. And again, I'm going to share something personal with you. And that was, alhamdulillah, by the blessing of Allah, learning always came very easily to me. I was always the brightest kid in the class. It always came very easy. Never required a whole lot of effort from me. And early on in my studies, because of that, teacher gave the lesson, I was done in 20 minutes, two hours left of class, what to do now? Let's start messing around with somebody. I need a partner in crime. I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to throw spitballs at. I need somebody to play tic-tac-toe with me on my notebook. It just, it was what it was. And one of my teachers, early on teachers, and this, this one of the teachers I was very, very close to, he's, he's a mentor to me. He sat down with me and he goes, I see where this is going. I, I, I'm noticing this, this pattern of behavior. And he told me, he said he was a similar type of student. He was a young kid, like a prodigy, genius and he said, I had the same type of tendencies and habits because that's human nature. You get bored. So what am I going to do? So at that time, you expect other people to indulge you, other people to entertain you. And he said, what you have to understand is that you are now becoming a fitna for the other student. And you have to abstain from that. If you can't control yourself, you can't manage. First of all, he told me what should be done. And this is advice that I, gave, that I always give to students in this type of a class. And that is, if you are one of those students who's a little bit more accelerated than the rest, who's a little more advanced than the rest, who's a little bit quicker than the rest, alhamdulillah. But also understand that you're still going to have to work just as hard. Why? Because maybe you don't have to work on the actual lesson as hard, but you're going to have to work on your, your behavior. And so you have to put in the equal amount of work that everybody else is. And what, what should you be doing ideally? When you're done with your lesson in 20 minutes and everybody else is still at it for two hours, what do you do for that hour and a half? You invest your energy, you invest your time into helping other people in the class. Become a group leader. Become a study session leader. Lend your help to other people. Ilm is one of those things, like sadaqah, ilm does not decrease by sharing. Ilm increases by sharing. The more you share your... And it doesn't give your... You know, and again, we come from a very secular environment, and so it's very competitive. You always got to keep a head up on your opponent, right? You got to keep your competition down. And so we're always trying to stay one, one step ahead of everybody else in the class. Not in ilm. In ilm, in religious, Islamic, spiritual knowledge, the more you share, the more you lend your help, the more you benefit. The more your own knowledge increases. 
And again, I told you about the students who later on are able to benefit a lot more people. Again, the secret to how and why is usually found when they were students. And part of that was that because of this advice and this mentoring of our teachers, we literally, be, when we graduated from our studies, we didn't just graduate as students, we graduated as teachers. Because we'd been teaching while studying the entire time. We were the group leaders, we were the study session leaders, we were the go-to people for the weaker students in the class. And that creates empathy. <coughs> empathy. It creates empathy. It teaches you to empathize with people. So later on, when you do become a teacher, and when you explain something that you think should be very simple, and out of 60 students, you know, 50 of them got it like that, like you expected, and the 10 that are still kind of struggling there, now typically we see teachers go two routes. One route is frustration. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you getting it? What's wrong? Or it's just, that's your problem. Live with it. Assalamu alaikum. We're going to move on. You can catch up if you can catch up. And then the second approach is that teacher takes care of those students. Because he has empathy. He empathizes with those students. And that empathy develops very early on as a student yourself. So lend your help to other students. That's the best thing you can do. And if you can't do that, then just learn to control yourself. Find something that fills your time, that takes away your boredom, but doesn't involve somebody else's attention. That's the least favor that you can do to your fellow students in the class. That's part of respecting the other students, your colleagues, your fellow students. And it's very, very important. So those are some of the advices given by Ali radiallahu anhu about how to choose even the company that you will keep here in the program. Now, tomorrow inshallah, um, I'll be, next session I'll be talking about the respect of the teacher. And I'll also be talking about the some of the study tips. What I'd like to talk about today, to end the session today, inshallah, is prioritizing. I'd like to talk about priorities. And this is the part of the talk that's a little tough. Um, some of you, I see a few familiar faces, a couple of old students here. I have a couple of, fortunately, right, a friend. But um, So there's a few familiar faces, so some of you know me, and some of you will get to know me. The I don't like dropping the hammer, so to speak. It's not something I enjoy, not something that I'm used to. You probably have, if those of you who know me even somewhat, probably never heard me do it a whole lot, um, with the exception of Adam, of course. But that's more just jabbing back and forth. But I have to give it to you straight. So this part of it's going to be a little tough, and I apologize if it offends you. I sincerely do apologize. Students of knowledge are people that I have a great deal of respect for. And so I definitely respect you, I respect your sacrifices and the work that you're doing, but I also have to be honest with you. Prioritizing is very important. I've been talking to you for two days, for two sessions, about how important it is that you put this in first. This is your number one priority while you're here. The masjid volunteering and the social services activities and all of these other things, They'll be still around when you're done, inshallah. And you'll get plenty of time to invest into that. Right now, it's your in that requires your attention. You didn't come here to make best friends with anybody. You didn't come here to start a new club or a new Facebook group with someone. All right? You came here to learn. Put that first. All right? But there are some things that need to be prioritized ahead of your in. And those are two primary things. Number one is Allah. And that sounds weird. 
like I thought this ilm is to connect to Allah. It's not always like that for people. So number one is Allah, and number two is family. I'm going to talk to you about these two things. To put Allah first, what does that mean? I told you previously that even the classical scholars would say that, and there's a hadith in fact that I presented to you, that learning, ta'aleem, ta'allum, learning ilm, learning knowledge, is more rewarding, more beneficial than voluntary acts of worship. So now what do I mean by your relationship with Allah must come first? Number one is that intention that I talked to you about. Your intention has to be, ple- has to, be to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ilm can become departed from Allah. Meaning sometimes, ilm, one of the greatest tests of ilm, a side effect of knowledge, a very bad side effect of knowledge, and this is the dirty little secret of ilm, is that a person can become very self-absorbed, self-involved, and self-infatuated. It can become about yourself. Ego comes hand in hand with ilm if a proper relationship with Allah is not maintained. So you have to maintain your relationship with Allah. You know, and sometimes you probably heard the little rhetoric about there's ilm and then there's just information. There's knowledge information. Incorrect. The Prophet of Allah tells us there are two types of ilm. It's still called ilm. And people will still treat it as ilm. And people will still look at it as ilm. But there are two types of ilm. Al-ilm al-nafi' Knowledge that is beneficial. وَالْعِلْمْ لَا يَنْفَعَ الْعِلْمْ غَيْرُ النَّافِعَ And knowledge which does not benefit, which is not beneficial. The Prophet ﷺ used to make dua, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'an. Oh Allah, I ask you for knowledge that is beneficial, beneficial knowledge. And then he also used to similarly make the dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa'. And oh Allah, I take refuge with you from knowledge that will not benefit. Will not benefit. So it's very important that we understand that. So what is that protecting that relationship with Allah? The most basic part of it is your prayer, your salah. Very straightforward. Because we already took the voluntary acts of worship and we put them into context. And seeking ilm is an act of worship itself. But the most basic thing is your five times daily prayer, salawat. And some of you might be thinking, that's preposterous. He comes here to tell us to pray five times a day? Like, buddy, I'm in the full-time Arabic program. Like, you know, you don't think I pray five times a day? But you, again, this is something you're learning, you're going to learn now, is that a lot of things that you just assumed, things that you thought were automatic, don't always end up being. And it becomes a huge test and a huge predicament for the student of knowledge to pray properly on time. Five times a day. Because it takes up so much of your day, because it requires so much of your attention, your energy, this will be one of the first things that you're willing to compromise. Ah, we'll pray later. Ah, we'll get to it. Ah, we'll take care of it later. It's all good, it's all good. There's time till 5 o'clock. Because we're all like fuqaha, you know, experts of the timing of prayer. So I know Zuhar is all the way till 5 p.m. So I can pray anytime between there. I checked on it. I googled it. I'm good. Right? No, no, no. The Prophet of Allah وسلم, says the most beloved of actions to Allah is as-salatu ala awwal waqtiha. To pray at its first instance, first time. And the exception to that is unless there is a time fixed for the salat bil jama'ah. But that's what I recommend. 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you do have to go to the masjid. I know a lot of you literally live walking distance from the masjid. And in that case, I, w- I would strongly recommend it. But if you're here, you know, then to all of a sudden run downstairs and get in your cars and drive around and drive back and then come back upstairs. No, that's not necessarily required. But what you should absolutely be doing is, when the adhan time comes in, have the adhan called, stand up in congregation and pray. Make it your number one priority. You drop everything. You're in the middle of a session, you just drop it. You have to go pray. It's very important. Very, very necessary. And that will keep you on top of your relationship with Allah. And that's where barakah comes from at the end of the day. That's where blessing and barakah comes from. Barakah in your ilm will come from there. It won't matter how much work you put in. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It'll depend on what type of a relationship you had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because there's been plenty people before us, and even plenty people alive today, that think of the most knowledgeable scholar, Muslim scholar of the Qur'an, there are probably non-Muslims more knowledgeable about the Qur'an than him. Alive today. No one is more knowledgeable than Iblis and Shaitan. Nobody. But it didn't benefit. Because of that lack of relationship with Allah. So that needs to be kept in perspective. Don't sacrifice anything for that. And number two is family. And this is on the list of priorities. This needs, this family, let me put it in different words. Family cannot be sacrificed for the pursuit of knowledge. It's a travesty, it's a tragedy, it's a huge contradiction. It makes no sense that this ilm, the Qur'an, the book of Allah, and the life of the Messenger ﷺ was sent to us to enhance us, to make us better people. The Prophet says, the best amongst you is the one that's best to his family. And I'm the best to my family, he says. When the Prophet reprimanded those young men who took oaths, I'm never going to sleep at night, I'm going to fast every single day, I'm never going to get married. When the Prophet reprimanded them, you know what he started off by saying? He said, I am more knowledgeable than all of you, and I have a better relationship with Allah than all of you. And then he laid into them. And then he told them, this is completely incorrect. So you have to understand that this is a key part. This is from the maqasid of sharia. This is part of the fundamentals of our deen. And this is a very basic elementary part of the human experience. And deen, Islam, Qur'an, all of this, and all the knowledge associated with it came to enhance it. So you can't sacrifice it. You can't become, you can't neglect your family. If somebody is learning Qur'an, somebody is learning Arabic, but at the same time, because of learning Qur'an or Arabic, somebody is neglecting their spouse or neglecting their children, that's a direct contradiction. That person should, should take some time, go look in the mirror and realize that their knowledge is not beneficial to them. Their knowledge lacks barakah and blessing from Allah. Cannot. Absolutely not. And so I understand that there will be tough spots. There will be spots where you will have to sacrifice one thing for the other. My personal recommendation, my personal recommendation, this program is forever, however long this program is. And any type of program, whether it's a year, whether it's six years or seven years or eight years, doesn't matter. But there's life after that. And this ilm is meant to enhance and allow us to live a more meaningful life and existence beyond just our time as students. So when you come to that tough spot where you got to sacrifice one for the other, sacrifice the end for the family. I'm telling you that. Officially. Call it a fatwa if you want. I don't care. But that's the bottom line. 
That's the bottom line. Why? Because you left the program and you still remained a little weak in your verb conjugations. I'm again going to go ahead and let you know this. I, I'm going to go ahead and say this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I hope and I pray, and I'm pretty confident Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not hold you accountable for your weakness in verb conjugation on the Day of Judgment. You'll be okay. You won't be asked about your ability to grammatically dissect an ayah in the grave. I'm letting you know now. We have nothing in our tradition that tells us that. But when you neglect the rights of people, and when you abuse people, that's abuse. When somebody trusts you, and they trust that you will f- fulfill their rights and you'll take care of them, whether it be financially or physically or emotionally or psychologically, whatever it is, whatever capacity, and they trust you and you betray that trust, you have abused that person. You have abused that person. We, again, we separate these concepts. Neglecting my wife is zulm. Ignoring my children is zulm. And I will be held accountable for that by Allah on the Day of Judgment. So please understand that. Please understand that. And this goes back to that very first thing that I said about knowledge is not a commodity. It's not a commodity. And we need to tra- stop treating it as such. If I'm a little bit weaker in my grammar, but I'm a lot better of a family man, when I leave this program, I was successful. And if you mastered the Arabic language by the time you leave this program, you mastered whatever in you came here to learn, but you destroyed your family, you ruined your marriage, you lost the trust of your children in the process, you are a failure. I'm telling you right now, as somebody who has lived more than half of his life in the pursuit or in the teaching of ilm, and as your teacher, I'm letting you know right now, you are a failure. You failed. You did not accomplish what you came here to accomplish. And so I can't stress this enough. I cannot emphasize this enough. It's very, very important. It needs to be understood by us very, very clearly. Because we have this problem, we have this contradiction. That we have drawn up lines that did not originally exist. You know, what is ibadah, what is deen? We've drawn lines that don't exist. So spending time with my family, that's not ibadah or deen, that's just personal time. No, 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 that's an ibadah. The time that I spent with my, with my wife is an ibadah, it's a worship. When I play with my children, that's a part of my deen. I'm rewarded for that. I'm rewarded for that. I'm blessed because of that. And that's a part of the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's me showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm grateful for this blessing. So that's the two things I want you to remember. Yes, ilm is your priority while you're here. But after your first two priorities, your relationship with Allah, which constitutes your five times daily prayer, no compromises whatsoever. And number two, your family. For the youngins, you do have plenty of time to pick up your phone and call your parents. Don't give me that excuse. Don't tell your mom, well, you're going to have to learn how to text message because I'm so busy, I'll just drop you a text. Don't do that. First of all, because it's creepy when moms text, okay? (laughs) All right? That's my experience with it. But, um, and secondly, it's disrespectful. All right? Your younger siblings, if you have some, they look up to you. You mean the world to them. I know it doesn't seem like that when they, you know, mess around with your stuff. But you mean the world to them. They look up to you. It will mean everything to them when you make time for them. 
All right? For those of you who are married, I can't even begin to talk about it. Very, very important. That's not just a lifelong relationship. That's an eternal relationship. We're together in the Akhirah. How could you sabotage that? So you have to be very careful about that. And for those of you who have children, you know, every single time, every single time in the Qur'an, Allah talks about giving children, He doesn't use the word i'ta, which means to give. He doesn't even use the word ita, which means to grant. He uses the word hiba. Ya habuli man yasha'unata. Hab lana min azwajina wudu. Fahabli min ladunka waliya. He uses the word hiba, which means a gift. Children are a gift from Allah. They need to be treated as such. And there's no excuses. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There's no valid excuse to neglect them, to not treat them properly. And I'm going to end by, if that, I don't think I quite dropped the hammer yet, so I still got some, I still got a little bit of room to maneuver here. Two things that I want to talk about. And again, this is me just being honest, two concerns that I have based on just a paper survey. I'll admit, a survey of the students that have come this year on paper. Two concerns that I have. And I'm sharing them with you. I'm not beating down on you. I'm not criticizing you. I welcome you and I, I really honestly admire and respect you. And those of you who have families that are making more sacrifices, you have that much more of my respect. All right, But at the same time, I'm also that much more concerned and worried about a couple of things. Two things, the two concerns I have. Number one, across the board, one of the main folks, one of the main things to keep in mind about seeking knowledge that Ali radiallahu anhu talked about was tulu zamanin, a long duration of time. Because again, we are very much consumers today. All right, we live in a consumer mindset, a consumer culture, a consumer society. A lot of times, now these days people are developing a consumer attitude towards their ilm and knowledge as well. So a lot of people, and that's not your fault, it's just a predicament of the culture, the society we live in, but we have to work on it here. And we have to get it out of the way in the very beginning. A lot of people came here with the mindset of hitting a home run. I'm just going to show up, I got a year, hit the home run, done, finish, move on with my life. That attitude is very unhealthy. Because that means you never became a student of knowledge. You became a participant in a program. And then when the program ended, your participation ended, and you went about your life. But you did not become a student of knowledge. You didn't. So please understand, you are here to get a jump start. You are here to get rolling. You are here to get that push in the back that will get your wheels turning. But you didn't come here to just hit a home run, throw a Hail Mary, apologize for all the sports analogies. But you didn't come here to just, boom, knock it all out at once. That's it. I'm done then. I'm finished. No, no, no. You came here to start your journey. But when this program ends, your journey is nowhere close to being over. Your journey just started. You know, I was part of a... I was part of the, the bulk of my, my time in terms of studying... I was part of a curriculum, a course, that is eight years long. When, I com- when we completed that eight years in our graduation ceremony, our teacher basically said, these eight years have been invested, have been spent in preparing you and teaching you on how to study. Now go learn. I was like, oh God, I just got ripped off, right? <laughs> so, 
the American kid in me was like, oh man, I'd like my money back, right? But, no, no, no. But that's exactly what it meant. You are now starting your journey. So don't, please, do not have that mindset of just out the park, done, finish, go home, done. I'm the man now. No, no. Alright? So this is not a home run. This is a blessing of Allah. That most people, the, 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 how fast your wheels will start, will start to turn in a year's time, it usually will take people at least two to three years, maybe even more. And that's going to be condensed and provided for you. So if anything, you're just getting that real hard push in the back. Alright? But you got to keep going. You can't put the brakes on. And the second worry or concern that I have, and this goes back to the family thing, Many of you, and probably um, more so in comparison to previous, the previous year and even, even previous programs, there are more of you who have families in terms of not just married, but also have children, especially young, young children. All right? That that's, seems to be a very common trend in this year's batch, in this year's group. And I have to, again, let you know that, and I want to let you know that I'm very concerned about a very unhealthy trend developing. And that is, you know, somebody might have had a long, lifelong dream, and most of you probably had a lifelong dream of learning Arabic, understanding the Qur'an, understanding the Book of Allah. And now that the opportunity presented itself, it was that mindset of, by any means necessary. I gotta do this, it's just a year, we'll manage, we'll figure it out, but it's just gotta happen now. I gotta live out my lifelong dream. And you are absolutely entitled to do that. And I encourage you to pursue your dreams. But again, we don't have a by any means necessary concept within our deeds. It does not exist. The Qur'an does not give us that perspective. The Prophet ﷺ has not given us that idea. And even in, within the structure of sharia and fiqh, that is not one of the usul that we operate based on. We do not. We, it's, it's all about the means. It's all about how you get there. Because you, maybe you're not going to get there. It's not in your hands whether you get there or not. But it's all about how you handled the means. How you handled the journey on the way there. And so please be very, very cautious and careful about this. Those of you who have children, especially younger children, all right, these are their formative years. These are the most impressionable age that they will go through. And while a year, when you're 40 years old, a year is like one out of 40, right? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But at that age, a year is a huge amount of time. And it can have a very profound effect, either positively or negatively on a child. So please keep that in mind. If it's any consolation, you know, consider us available to help you with anything that you need help with. You, you fall a little behind, you need help catching up, consider us available. Or at least I can extend the offer for myself. Reach out to me. I will try my best. I will try my best to help you as much as I can. Or I will at least recommend somebody else. And I will talk to somebody else to help you. And if nothing else, I don't know what this means to you, but know that more than anyone else, you will be in my dua, you'll be in our duas. You'll be in our prayers. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses your efforts and blesses your work. But please keep your priorities straight. These are your children. Not something to toss around, not something to sacrifice. Be very, very careful about that. Again, I'll go back to the same premise. Being a better parent is a lot better than knowing Arabic good. Mastering Arabic, great. But being a good parent 
is a, a much more of an accomplishment. And it's a lot more of what we need in society today. As, de- as desperate as we are for Arabic teachers and people who understand the Qur'an, we are more desperate for good parents today. And the Prophet ﷺ, the Qur'an Allah tells us, وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا When there were good parents, Allah would send prophets and messengers to take care of their children after they were gone. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us, when a human being dies, when he leaves this world, his actions are done. Except for three things. And one are the, one of those three things. وَلَدٌ صَالِحٌ يَدْعُ لَهُ A pious, righteous child that continues to make dua for that parent. So those were a couple of the concerns that I had. Please um, take them into consideration. Think on them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, allow you to be successful in this endeavor. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you the greatest of success here in your studies. Um, we'll go ahead and end the session here today, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.